0: Yeah, I wanted to say something, as I, as we were worshipping, I was reminded of something that's happened in my life over the last couple of months, um, and trusting this will be relevant because I think we might land where, on the back of worship, and what the Lord's been saying, we might land here, but I felt the Lord, I realized over the course of this year, and I don't know why it was this year, maybe it's because I'm in a different context and a different place now, out of the comforts of Josh Jane and into like kind of a new partnering church and new city and all of that, um, the Lord began to put His finger on me. And I wasn't quite sure what it was, to be honest. But more and more became apparent that there was a bit of like a... uh, Like there was something going on between me and the Lord. And I realized more and more that what it was, was um, it was religion. He was putting His finger on religion in my life. And revealing to me that in some ways I, I was kind of like a Pharisee, where I can know stuff. But I was guarding my heart. I wasn't letting my heart be transformed. And I feel this morning that that's, for some of you that will resonate, that the Lord's wanting to do something of that in you this morning in order for you to move forward with what He's doing here. And it played out a little bit. We went on outreach to Zimbabwe um, a while ago with some of the students. We had a wonderful time with one of the churches there in Mashvingo and kind of southern and Zim. And we were worshiping on the one evening and as we were worshiping, and I've had many beautiful encounters with the Lord over the years, where I've been full of the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, you know, all of that. I've known the Lord for many years now. And that evening, the Lord, I don't know why, but He chose that evening, and He just began to touch me, and he began to pour His Spirit out upon me. And for the first time in a long time, I was able to be released with this joy in God, this flow of joy just began to bubble up. And well up. And it was actually, I think it was quite awkward for some of the guys because I was kind of supposed to be leading. And then I just went into this bubble of just the the joy of the Spirit of God coming upon me and rising in me. And as that happened, I could just feel and sense that religion was being washed out of me, washed out of me, washed out of me, so much so that when we had a gathering a couple of weeks ago, sitting in a hill also has gatherings, and we had a gathering, Um, that I I felt the Lord speak to me as well. And He said, do two things. He said, shave before the gathering. It was also linked to like, uh, because I had a bit of a beard. It wasn't quite like this man's Bart, but it was a proper beard as well. It was starting to get there, a few years away, but starting to get there. And I felt the Lord speak to me before that gathering. And He said to me, shave your beard, kind of as a fresh start. It's now growing back a month later, almost. Um, And then wear your cap backwards, because I often wear a hat. Um... I often wear a cap, and uh, and I wore my hat backwards that day, and it wasn't about me, it was about Him, and just that whole thing of religion needing to be broken. So I looked almost like a kid, but the Lord was saying to me, I want you to become like a child again, so you can follow me in ways, in a a way which is now full of faith. It's a new thing that I'm doing, and I can really feel that in my own life, and so I just felt to share that, because I think what I also saw in worship today was like a vase, which wants to carry, you know, we are a vessel, like we, we are a vessel of the Holy Spirit. And so a picture of a vase, but I saw vases that are cracked through pressure, through difficulty, even through potentially strife, cracks can appear in our vessel, which means we are not able to, in many ways, sustain and hold what it is the Lord's wanting to do in us. And today for some of you, the Lord, the Father wants to come and He wants to address that crack in your life. He's been doing it already, I think, through the response. So it's happened already to a measure. But for some of you today, He wants to address that crack and He wants to fill it up so that moving forward, you as one body can be carriers of the presence of God and see that presence of God poured out through you and around you. Okay. So I just want to know, because we're going to go back and we probably will land there. So I just want to say, oh, it's also, it's amazing to be here. It's amazing to see what the Lord has done in Muscle Bay. I mean, I've the kind of experienced some of the fruits of Muscle Bay, obviously through Mornay's life over the years, but certainly through Ross Lohana's life coming into the congregation I led for eight years or so, and then handed over to Ross, and he came in and he just breathed such a life, such fire into that congregation, and it just took off. And it was incredible to see what the Lord had deposited in his heart and in his life through you, many of you here. But the Lord's always on the move. He's always doing new things. And so we need to be making sure that we continue to move on with Him, not looking back, but looking forward, because the kingdom of God is advancing. And so I want to talk a little bit about this morning about the importance of kind of that vessel and the unity of the vessel, the unity of the body in order to ensure that we can move forward with the Lord and not get stuck in our hearts or stuck in our lives and and stuck in the past. Amen. You're with me. Okay, so um, wasn't the 412 conference amazing? Yeah. Apart from the freezing cold wind and rain, it was incredible. But it was also, it felt different this year. I mean, I've been in... Uh, yeah I mean by God's grace, I was part of the initial launch of 412 many years ago, you know, sitting in the room with Ryan, I mean yeah with Ryan and Andrew and Brad and will and the guys and and then this movement has got birthed over the last decade. But there was something about this year that felt different. I don't know quite what it was. Certainly the first day was very different. I think everyone was just trying to find their feet, but on that second day, on the Sunday morning, a week ago, Dan Barnard stood up, and it was like after that worship, and everything clicked. (laughs) It's like the engine started. You know, the key went in, and and I don't know if you felt it, but I began to experience the life of God flowing as Dan was preaching, and I loved what he said about the fact that we are all called, many different giftings, but our calling is to minister to the Lord. Our calling is to love on Him, and our calling is to give our lives to Him and to the body of Christ, that each one of us carry the same calling. but we need to discuss, some of you need to rediscover that. some of you need to find that again. some of you need to continue in that 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 is our calling. Our calling is to be loved by him and to love him back. As Pete has been bringing to roots this year and it is an outstanding one-liner is, help me students, find the love of Jesus and and love him back. Find the love of Jesus. And love him back. Okay, And so that's what we want to do this morning is find the love of Jesus and love him back. But if our ve- vessels are cracked, if we're not in a sense able to hold what God is wanting to put into our lives, that life of God doesn't flow out to us in, the, in purposeful ways. It gets wasted. And that's what I was seeing in my life, that the, the, the presence of God was being poured in, but there were cracks. And one of the cracks I had, and he showed me, was that crack of religion. And he came and he's begun to fill that crack up so I can hold more of the life and the presence of God. Okay, so help us, Holy Spirit, as we turn to your word today and, and dig into it. And so really, what I, yeah, what I wanted to um, bring to you this morning is, in some ways, it's quite a, a serious word and weighty but the kingdom is serious, it's weighty, it's full of life, it's full of joy, but it's weighty as well. And so I'm going to speak a little bit more about the vase than I am about the wine or the water, but that's because I'm trusting that as Muscle Bay continues on this journey, more and more of the life and the presence of God gets poured out into you, and together you can then pour that out for His purpose and for um, His glory. Okay, and so um, it's very interesting when you look at the life of Jesus, Um That's the last thing that he did with his disciples. Um, When he sat down with them, he'd wash their feet. He's preparing now to go to the cross. And we all know this so well. As he sat down, and what did he do? He prayed. He prayed for them. And he prayed what for their unity? He prayed for their oneness of heart. Because he knew, as he was going back to the Father, that he was leaving a whole lot of men behind. and And their wives and their families, all of whom... We're now going to have to learn to follow Him and to be led by the Spirit. And He knew that was going to be a challenge, but He's given us a Spirit. Amen? And so He prayed for our unity. And it says this in John 17, 20-23. Man, we know this portion of Scripture well, but I'm going to start here anyway. It says, Jesus praying for His disciples says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in Me through their word, that they may all be One. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then it speaks about glory, and we were just singing about glory and God's glory. And it says, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we in the Godhead are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. He's perfect in all his ways. Perfectly one. So that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. I mean, what a portion of scripture, hey? What a prayer. Jesus' prayer for us. And as I was thinking about this in worship, I had this one line also that came to mind. And it says this, just thinking about the prayer of Jesus here. But the Spirit of God say to me, it's the glory of a man to lay down his life for the glory of God. It is the glory of a man to lay down his life for the glory of God. And if there's going to be any oneness in the body of Christ, someone's going to have to lay down something. Because just in my home, just trying to create oneness in my home, increasingly as my kids grow up is a challenge. My daughter's 12, my son's 9, my daughter has opinions, my son has got opinions, let alone my wife, and she's a treasure, she's a joy. But just to have oneness in the home requires someone, in fact it requires all of us to lay down something of our perspectives or our opinions or what's even on our hearts in order to move forward in a oneness of spirit to bring Jesus glory. So this is on Jesus' heart just before he goes to the cross as he prays for the unity and the oneness of the body of Christ. Let's note that. Okay. And then we know this, but it's just worth remembering. And then if you look at the New Testament church, you know, as the New Testament church was birthed, it's, it's absolutely incredible to see how Paul rises up as this apostle, um, And God obviously uses them in so many ways, but continually you see as Paul leads the churches, addresses the churches, writes letters to the churches, that he goes on and on and on again about oneness and about unity. Because it wasn't long after the departure of Jesus that the church, even though it was filled with the Spirit, for the life of God, began to wander away into error and doctrines in their own ways. But it was God's heart all the, way, all the time to bring them back into our oneness in Him. And so you see this Paul writing as a father to the church. As an apostle writing to the New Testament churches. He addresses the churches through his letter in Ephesians 4. And Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 6 says this. Again, Dan preached from this at, at 4.12. But he took kind of a different focus. I want to look at something else here. He says, I therefore... The prisoner for the Lord, urge you. That's like when I say to my son, Evan, I want you to do, de- I want you to unpack the dishwasher. Mm. And he's like, off he wonders, back to kick the soccer ball or whatever. Evan, I want you to come and de- unpack the dishwasher. And off he goes and kicks the soccer ball. And then I've got to get urgent. Evan, I'm telling you now, this is what you need to do now. Not just now, now. Okay, dad. Now he knows I'm serious. And Paul, in the same way, is urging here. He's coming across. His tone is serious. He's addressing the ter- the church urgently. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility. Oh, that word. Mm. With all humility and gentleness. With patience. I confess, um, that's also one of the areas the Lord's been putting us finger on my life is impatience Yo, yeah, oh, I realize how impatient I am man eh? oh help me Jesus um with all humility and gentleness with patience especially the drivers in Cape Town having been back in Cape Town now after being in Joburg In Joburg guys just get on with it and they drive going Cape Town just the roads are like this and I oh my gosh it was a sanctifying experience um With patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And do you see that word maintain? So we don't create the unity, it's given to us, it comes from Him. God, perfectly, perfectly one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, eternal, sovereign, self-existent. He's existence eternity past, eternity future. He's perfect in all His ways. So He's got no problem. The problem is with us. But He gifts us the Spirit, and through gifting us the spirit and then bringing us into the body of Christ, He says, "I've given you a oneness in the Spirit, which I now want you to maintain for My glory." What a privilege, eh? And so we have this privilege as the church of maintaining the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And then he says, there's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Who is over all and through all and in all. And I think the question that we have to ask ourselves looking at that portion of scripture and hearing even that Jesus' heart For his disciples was this oneness and this unity. The question we have to ask ourselves is, how can we maintain that unity? As Brad Verena, who leads Oxygen Life, has said numerous numerous times over the years, unity doesn't just come. It's gifted to us, okay? So we need to maintain it. But unity doesn't just come and it doesn't just remain. We have to work at maintaining the unity of the Spirit within the body. Okay, and so the question is how do we maintain the unity of the Spirit or maintain this one oneness in the body of Christ? Because uh, we're all fallen, we're all cracked, we all got perspectives, opinions. I can remember when I was, before I get into you a bit more, I can remember when I was leading, I'm now on a team, not leading a congregation anymore, but I remember the 412 conferences, I go into the conferences with such hope, like invite so many of the guys to the conference, and get like, let's say, when I was leading Weinberg, there were 75 guys there, and you get 40 of them there, All right. and you come back and you think, yes, I got 40 of my guys for 412. We are going to be the most united, on fire, purposeful congregation in the whole of Joshua and, and get get back. And it feels like over the next few weeks, the wheels would come off because this one heard that thing, that one got offended by what Andrew said, that one didn't like Dan, that one. And I was like, guys, what in the world? There needs to be, a, a, what is the posture of your heart here? Man, we need to be, and then guys that end up running off in a whole lot of different directions. And no, we've just received apostolic inputs. We've received the oneness in the Spirit, which we now need to maintain by the grace of God. And so, Jesus wants us to keep Him at the center. It's as simple as that, but it is a, as difficult as that. The questions of how we can maintain the unity of the Spirit is to keep Jesus At the center. Ensure that Christ is Lord. And he's not just Lord of some of your life. He's Lord of all of your life. Okay. And so you see this. When you look at the early church, they had this revelation of the lordship of Christ. So much so, you read this in Acts 4 verse 32 as an example. This supernatural unity had been birthed within the body of Christ. And it says all the believers were one in Heart. They were one in heart and mind. Don't know if that's the right scripture. Anyway. Is it? There it is. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. And then it says, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. They had such unity that they shared the very possessions of their lives. So... Just pause for a moment. My wife and I had a bit of a box over this scripture just before this trip down to the Western Cape uh, uh, occurred because, I'll tell you why, because we as a team were supposed to be driving down in one vehicle, or certainly the students were, and we had some issue with paperwork around a certain vehicle, which meant all of a sudden at the last moment, over the course of the last three days, we were scrambling for vehicles for the team. So where's James? James is now driving his car. Shannon, where are you? Um... Oh, there you are. Sorry, in the front track, must you. Sorry. Driving her car. But we needed one more car. And so I kind of threw a hinting and a, I kind of put a message out to the church. Anyone feeling to give a vehicle? And um, it was just silence. You know, crickets. Like nothing. Nothing's coming back. And then, and then I began to realize as I asked the question, he was asking me to answer the question. And so there it was, but, but I knew if I was going to give my vehicle for the trip or our vehicle for the trip, we have one car at home that we share, um, I was going to have to get this through Lee. <laughs> and so Lee and I had a backwards and forwards around the scripture and I was like, no, if, you know, if, we, if we're going to be truly one, if we're going to be truly united, if we're going to be giving ourselves to what Jesus is doing in his church, we actually need to give our vehicle for this trip. And so we did. And the students drove it down here and praise God it arrived in one piece and all of you did as well. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Ants, you were a champ, bro. Where you ants, you're an absolute champ, um, and drove so well. But you know the, we need there needs to be such a such a oneness in our hearts, such a oneness in our spirits, that we're willing to lay aside our preferences, our positions, even our possessions, in order to see the kingdom of God advance. No one claimed that any of their possessions, or that could be your position, your perspective. No one claimed that any of that was their own. But they came in a oneness and laid that before the apostles and laid that before the leadership. And so this oneness that we see in the New Testament is a oneness that is born of the spirits, but it is maintained through godly, wise, discerning, humble, courageous Leadership. Leadership is essential. Without godly leadership in the life of the church, the people, the sheep, and we are sheep. I heard that earlier. Confess, I'm also a sheep. Is we have, we don't want to be a goat, eh? Uh, goats. Have you seen goats? Go driving in Africa. You see a goat there, a goat there, a goat there, and a goat there. No, they're all over the place. You want to see you want to be a sheep in line, going in the same direction. Okay. So there's this is oneness born of the spirit maintained through godly, wise leadership and so our posture towards leadership is absolutely vital I mean I don't know much of Muscle Bay's story to be honest it's great to be I think the last time I was here was January 2011 it looks completely different it's an incredible venue but what I do know is you have a new lead elder somewhere there and and uh, and I, I want to say to you, as a previous lead elder to make the lead elder's life a joy is one of the great privileges each one of us have to lay aside your, sorry, your preferences, your position or order to make his life a blessing, I can tell you now, will make your life more blessed. It will. Because if you come alongside him and encourage him and lift him up in his family and pray for them, there's something about maintaining that unity, that oneness in the Spirit, which breaks something open in your life. And Paul knew this. The Apostle Paul knew this. And so he wrote, not just in Ephesians 4, but he wrote... In Acts 20, and he addressed those that church, and he addressed the leadership in the Ephesian church. And he said to them in Acts 20, and I'm quickly just going to read through these verses. We won't sit here too long, but it's so important what he says. He said, writing to the, the elders of the church at Ephesus, but I do not count of my life of any value nor as precious to myself. Amen? I even moved from Cape Town. I moved from Seapoint to Benoni. So this is very real every time I read this. Anyway. But I do not account of my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to what? To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming, proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of you all. For for I did not shrink from declaring to you what? The whole counsel of God, which includes a call to be obedient to godly leadership. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which He obtained with His own blood. Amen? Amen. For I know, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, and so leadership needs to be alert, but each one of us needs to be alert. And the way in which we remain alert is staying connected to Him, is looking upon Him, gazing upon Him, and showing that He truly is the Lord of our lives. And if that is the case, He's going to be speaking to us. He's going to be revealing things to us. He's going to be showing us the posture of our heart at times, which can get out of place and calling us back into alignment in Him. Right, Amen. I was part of a church way back. Good, oh, this is Josh Jen many years ago. Before Josh Jen Weinberg, there was a congregation called Josh Jen Constantiaberg, which I led, which became Weinberg. This is a Yonks ago. Oh, I'm getting old. I just said yonks oh my word! <laughs> I sound like my dad. Help me, <laughs> Jesus. He's a wonderful, godly man. Um, but sure, we. I was. I was a leader elder and I had two other leaders on my team, and I was sharing a bit of this with Francois yesterday because he was getting to know me and we we're getting to know each other a bit, and. Um, There was something of this element of of oneness which was corrupted very sadly. And breaking into our eldership team came a, a, there was a crack. And through that crack came a divisiveness. So much so that my my eldership team of three, and also grateful for three of us, you know, because at least you can triangulate stuff. My eldership of three went to one over the course of three months as the enemy got in. As fierce wolves got in. That wasn't any other people. That was there was cracks in leadership lives where the enemy got in. And they themselves turned upon the body. They turned upon leadership and they turned upon the body. And I had an elder who left the church. It was a messy affair. And another one, his wife got so burnt out through that experience that they stepped off leadership on eldership and they've never returned over a decade later. And so I want to warn us and say, this is real. We've got to guard our hearts. Leadership You've got to guard your hearts. This eldership team, you've got to guard your hearts. You've got to get before Jesus, deacons, community leaders. This needs to be purpose deep inside of you to guard your heart. And all the time, be trusting that you maintain a soft heart and a posture of yieldedness towards him. So, so important. And so we see in this portion of Scripture, or these couple of portions of Scripture, Ephesians 4 and Acts 20, That leadership plays a vital role in the maintaining of the unity of the spirit. Without leadership, there will be a scattering of the sheep. And when there's a scattering of the sheep, it means the enemy has gotten in. That there are wolves roving around, seeking to destroy. I want to ask you a question. Is there something inside of you this morning where you, as I'm speaking, you realize, do you know what, I'm behaving more like a wolf than a sheep. Because I'm telling you now, we've all been challenged. That thing, I've been challenged. And I know if you haven't been challenged yet, you are going to be challenged. And if you realize that there's something inside of you this morning, that crack inside of you, that is the mercy and the grace of God speaking to you now and revealing this to you so that you can respond first to Him and then to your leadership and come and see that crack filled up through the grace of God of the gospel, the mercy of Jesus flowing into your life. Okay, so let that question sit there. We might return there a bit later. So the first way in which we can maintain the unity in the spirit um, is by ensuring that Christ is Lord. And we do that by submitting ourselves to godly leadership, the leadership that he's given us, the apostolic, which took me years, again, Weinberg reference, years to get the church on board with the fact that the apostolic was not just a guest speaker, wasn't just Andrews coming through to say, how's it, guys, and, and de- deliver a message, or Ryan, or whoever it was in those days. But no, as the apostolic comes, we're listening for ways to lay down our lives so we can come into our oneness in Him. It's not just words. It's truth that's coming to us that we need to align with. Okay. And that's, and then this is interaction in the, in the local church then between the apostolic and the eldership teams, which allows a maintaining of the unity of the Spirit in our midst. And when that works, it is a beautiful thing. Yeah. It is a beautiful thing. At the moment, we've got a wonderfully godly united leadership in Benoni where we're at. CHC is in a sweet place in this regard at the moment. And there's different seasons and challenges at different times. But the unity we have is beautiful. And when there's unity, we know. What does the word say? God commands a blessing. You begin to see God adding people, maturing people, and the raising up of leaders and preparing for the kingdom of God to advance. Yes, I've labored that hard, but I trust it's good. Secondly, one of the ways we can maintain a unity in the Spirit is by cultivating a deep sense of Christ, not just this way through leadership, but this way through us, through our relationships this way. Um... Again, I confess, by nature, I'm one of those people who likes to be liked. And I get challenged on that. Because I like to be liked, it means when I'm overlooked, I can be quick to pick up a fence in my heart. So I've got to watch that thing. Because I like to be liked, when I'm not liked, when so I'm overlooked, oh, and there's a something can rise inside of me which I then need to give to Jesus. Um, and the reason I mention this is because, in many ways, even as an elder or as a leader for a long season, I was conflict-averse. Like I just didn't like conflict. If I saw conflict, Andrew always says, "Run at it, get to that thing before it can turn. It, get to it, sort it out." And I would always pray, <laughs> "Lord." Please take it, exactly, take it away. And it took me a few years. I was a bit slow to learn, but it took me a few years. That thing don't go away. That thing goes underground, and it disappears, and then a few years later, it's not a seed, it's a tree. And it's a weed of a tree. And it's a pear, and then you've got a problem. Then you have a big problem. And so we need to be, we need to develop a culture. I'm not quite sure what the culture is like here, but I think we need to develop a godly culture where we're able to not look to criticize each other, but build a culture where we love each other enough to speak the truth into each other's lives. Okay, so Philippians 2, 1 to 4 says this, Therefore, this is Paul writing again to the church, if any of you have encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing, that unity in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy, make the apostolic's joy uh, make apostolic's life a joy, let alone the local elders. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And then this one line which we all run away from. It says, do nothing. I'll say that again. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider... Um, Consider others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. I think that's the New Living Translation. But anyway, the weight of that is significant and beautiful. There you are. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Wolves do that. They come in and they put on and they try to impress. But actually underneath, there's a motivation which is ungodly. So be humble. Think less of yourself. Think of others more important. Seek to lift others up, especially your lead elder or the leadership that's over you and serving with you. Seek to lift them up. And as you do, as you humble yourselves in that way, God says, I will not resist you, but I'll give you grace. I'll pour my grace into your life. Yeah, it's an incredible privilege of positioning and posturing ourselves. In that way, And so I want to say that our relationships are guaranteed at some point to bring out the worst in us. Guaranteed. It took me a long time to work this out. Our relationships are guaranteed to bring out the worst in us at some point. But this has a purpose. Because on the other side of that conflict, if you work through it and you work through it with leadership in a godly way, on the other side of that conflict is what? There's greater love greater unity, it's greater, yeah, there's just a, it's a greater oneness. It's the same, like in marriage, it took, like, again, it took me years to realize this, you know, like, really I can be quite slow in some ways, but I've got a good friend, Robin Scott, one of my best mates, he's a psychologist and runs this beautiful um, marriage course, and within that he gives you tools to deal with conflict and conflict cycles and the, the reality of marriage, and those tools became such a blessing to me and my wife. Because so often we get stuck to stuck a conflict and we wouldn't be able to resolve it in a way which brought us through into more, into a greater, into a greater love. You'd resolve it, at, I mean those of you who are married know this, you resolve it at a certain level. But then you, you kind of move on and you hope it goes away. And then it pops up again, you know. So this is a call here to a, to a deeper unity amongst yourselves. We have a unity first this way with Him flowing from Jesus through leadership, the apostolic, the eldership. But then this way with one another. And you're going to be tested on this if you haven't been tested already. As, as we've heard this year, when the test comes, pass the test. Pass the test. If you're being tested, God's testing you at the moment with the relationships this way. Pass the test. Lay aside your position. Go in humble. Go in with a posture when you're trying to resolve any conflict of thinking they're right and you're wrong. Go with that posture. And if you do... You will see Jesus do miracles. You'll see this unity come in the Spirit. But you won't be able to do this if you're keeping stuff in the dark. Okay, and so the Bible says in 1 John 1 verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus, His Son does what? It purifies us. So if you go and you try to resolve conflict, but you keep stuff in the dark, you're not going to be able to resolve the conflict. There'll be a measure, there'll be a form of godliness, but you won't have the power thereof. Because you're not letting Jesus into that area. And so if there's areas of darkness in your life, bring it into the light. I've learned this year, as we've done this discipleship school, um, and I knew this before, but I've really seen it this year. If stuff is in the dark, stuff, it's going to come out. At some point, it's going to come out. And when it does come out, it's glorious, man. It's beautiful. It's Jesus at work. As long as your heart in that is, your posture to Him and to, to leadership is good. You're going to see him set you free. And so Jesus wants to bring freedom in this area of our lives of living in the dark. And so if you're hiding things like self-pity in the dark, if you've got a fence, but you're keeping it in the dark, if there's something in your heart where these, you know, you put, you, especially the men, they're like, they're not seeing me or I have, and you feel that thing rising you, but you're keeping it in the dark. That's a problem. Talk about it. Bring it to your leaders. Maybe there is leadership on your life, which isn't being seen. But the only reason you're not walking in it is because you're keeping something in the dark. Okay? So we have to live in the light in order to cultivate a deep sense of oneness in Him. And on this as well, you need to remember the corporate significance of the sin of one. Okay? Because your sin or my sin affects you. If I'm walking in the dark in some way, it's going to affect you. You might not know it, you might not see it, but because we won in the Spirit, I mean are called to maintain the Spirit, my sin becomes your sin. But your victory and your overcoming becomes my overcoming. And so there's a call to, 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 yeah, to journey together with Jesus in this way. I mean, Joshua 7 verse 1, one of the most scary verses in the Bible. When I read this thing, I, sh- I start shaking. It is scary. It says, but the people of Israel broke This is when they went into the promised land, just crossed the Jordan River. They broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Kami, took some of the devoted things. And so, what you see here is the people of Israel, God addresses the nation for the sin of one man. One man. And so it might even be that he's addressing Muscle Bay this morning and he's addressing you as a body. And he's saying there's greater unity for you. There's more in the spirit. The kingdom of God needs to continue to advance you. But that is going to be hindered if there is the sin of one or two or a few or even more. And so you need to posture yourselves in such a way to bring what's in the dark into the light in a humble posture. With a humble posture and God is going to set you free. If you do it in humility, leadership are never going to, they're not going to squash you. They never will. If it comes in a humble way, there's always the opportunity to talk and to converse and to pray and to find Jesus together and to walk into a greater unity in Him. Amen. Amen. So if you don't let your own sinfulness keep things in the dark, where you're shifting the blame and you you shift, last. don't shift. Bring it. And then lastly, let me die. Lastly. The third way in which we can really ensure that we maintain the unity of the spirit is to ensure that we don't create little groups or alliances. Okay? So I'll use an example from CHC. Well, let's read a scripture first and then I'll talk more. Paul addresses this again. Paul is always addressing, like I said, oneness, unity. Always addressing it because we're carnal, we're sinful. It's things in our hearts. And he says in 1 Corinthians 3, 21 to 23, yes. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the Word or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. We've got to have this posture in our hearts where we, we're not following one leader because we like them. Or, yeah. I mean, you see this all the time. whether in a Benoni context, my lead elder is John. Great, been a lead elder for about just over a year now, doing a great job. Ryan oversees the whole of CHC. And there are other lead elders. If I have it in my heart that, you know, when Ryan speaks, I like what he says. But when John speaks, I don't like what he says. And so I'm going to give myself to Ryan, but I'm not going to give myself to John. Darkness, division, maintaining of the unity of the Spirit is not happening. That is dangerous. And so you need to watch that. And this can happen. This can creep in so easily where without even vocalizing it in your heart, you're not giving yourself to the leadership through Jesus, but you're giving yourself to one man and his wife or two men and his wife and not the others. And you create these little little kind of um, communities within the community or churches within the church, and that is very, very dangerous. That doesn't mean to say that you've got to have good, like, very close relationship with each one. Obviously, there's some that you're going to get on better with. There's some that you're going to really build with. Maybe they oversee your community or in your community. Speaking about elders specifically. But you need to have a posture in your heart that when any of the elders speak to you, especially the lead elder, you're giving your heart in fullness to him. And you're following him with all you have. Okay. And so the roots, actually the roots of that, the root of that thing where you follow one and not another, what is that root? The root is that same old root which we've got to address over and over again. It's the root of pride. Because if I align myself with that person, I like him, he likes me. Maybe he's going to open a door for me. Maybe he's not going to be, maybe then I, because he likes me, I don't have to open my life up as much to him. He's just going to overlook some stuff. All those things can creep into our hearts and our minds and begin to break down the unity of the spirit in our midst. Okay. And so the root there is the root of pride, which tries to derive a sense of validation or distinction by being aligned to certain leaders and not others. I recently heard a story of um, an elder in the life of our movement who's, who's just dealing with an issue in, in his church, in his particular church. And what had happened there was, um, as opposed to someone speaking directly to the lead elder, because there was something that felt between them and the lead elder, they went to Andrew. They saw him at the conference. Oh, Andrew happens to walk past. So they grabbed Andrew. And they said, yes, you won't believe it, but my lead elder's just not. Listening to me, and they pulled their needless to say, <laughs> leaders to say afterwards that poor lead elder. I mean, he was here, to Andrew. Like, what's going on? Why are you not? And so, we can, without even realizing it, I don't even know that story. But if you need to resolve something with a certain person, you need to go to that person, don't go around them, don't go over them. Go to them. Go to them in love. And as you do that, what begins to happen is that vase that I was speaking out at the beginning, the cracks begin to be filled up, which allows us to posture ourselves in such a way that the presence of God can be poured out. And then because the life of God is poured out into us, we can pour our lives out for others. It's not being squandered through the cracks in our lives and the disunity that can come when we don't maintain the unity of the Spirit. And so I want to land this. Who always said that we want to land. We want to land with this, just, this, just reinforcing the, the importance of maintaining the unity of the Spirit, where there is the unity of the Spirit, where we maintain it in these certain ways. Firstly, you know, by making Christ Lord and that Lordship flowing through His leadership in the life of the church. We maintain unity by submitting ourselves in that way. God is going to bless that. He's going to bless that because it looks like Him. Secondly, when we maintain unity this way, pleases him, and he can bless his body, he can pour out more of his spirit upon us, and thirdly, when we recognize that he doesn't just want us to align with some leaders, but he wants to give us, give our hearts to him, and all the leadership, especially the lead elder, we're positioning ourselves for the life of God to flow in us, and to flow through us, and so this morning, okay, I don't know what you're feeling, Francia, but as we, as I land this, I'd love to create a moment where if something in your heart says, Ross, you know what? There's something inside of me where there's a crack. You've touched on something today. There's a crack. I think we need to position ourselves this morning in such a way we begin to ask him to say, come, Lord. Come and show me exactly what that crack is. And then as he's showing you that crack, to begin to ask that he would give you the grace to go and make right. Either make right with him, the Lord, or make right with leadership, or make right with your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And to position yourself in that way. And so can we pray? Can we just close our eyes for a moment?